As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Straight from the Source is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Finally, in the month of December, the Wild will have actually some home games. Some home stands are a real rarity this season, so go to GameTime to find last-minute deals. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Thanks for tuning in to Straight from the Source. Uh, Mike Madonna last week, Dan Myers this week. Finally gotten my turn. <laughs> We've only been teasing this for like a month now, or you have been. I know, it's funny. Uh, so this is Straight from the Source with Michael Russo, the athletic uh, com slash straight from the source if you're not subscribing. Um, big breaking news as you drove into my uh, little uh, nook here. Mike Babcock fired in Toronto. I don't know if I call it a nook. This is a pretty palatial estate. <laughs> so as literally as you're driving into the driveway, you open the door and I say, uh, guess what? Babcock was fired. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You think about uh, how much money they owe him. I mean, and, and yeah, money crazy. and money to the you know the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. really is is nothing. Um, but I mean, you know, absolutely one of the best coaches certainly of his era. Um, now unemployed. That's kind of shocking it's when you think of all the talent they have there, and um, you know expectations are high, and they certainly haven't met it so far. One of the one of the surprising teams, I think, in the league. How crazy is? That? I was just talking to uh, 
player on the a former wild player on the phone for the story that I'm working on. He brought up to me he was talking about long term contracts in the NHL, and he goes, "Has anybody looked at the last time that a, a player signed a long term contract and they actually were playing well at the end of the contract?" And it's never really. I mean, you can't really come up nope. with that many. Nope. Mike Babcock on May twentieth, twenty fifteen, signed an eight-year, $50 million contract worth $6.25 million a year. Four years later, he's fired. Now it's happening to coaches. It's amazing, isn't it? So he's got, what, four, four and a half years left on that contract? Yeah. And oof, I wish I had $20 million to throw away. Don't you? Wouldn't it's, that be fun? It's just a – can you imagine? It's just and they got they got to pay a new guy here, and yeah. I would assume they're not just going to go – Hire some guy for you know a million or two. Like you know, this is a team that's built to win the Stanley Cup now. Like they need to go out and get a legitimate head coach. And the funny thing is, if you put together a list of the five you know best head coaches in the NHL right now, I mean, Mike Babcock would be on that list, wouldn't he? Yep. And you just got rid of him, and a lot of these other guys are are employed. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, what the Maple Leafs do with that position here. Long term, who who they're able to maybe go out and get? You're, well, right you're now, on the uh, what, what's yeah. the hot rumor well, mill on Twitter? Well, right saying? now, they they say that Sheldon Keith has uh, replaced him, and and we are uh, recording this right when the news broke, so I can't. Uh, it does. You nowhere, are literally scanning Twitter. right Yeah, now. I mean, nowhere does it say that he's the interim coach. So Sheldon Keith might be the new coach. I'm the, not familiar uh, with so. Mr. Keith. Yep. Well, Sheldon uh, uh, was just with the Marlies, and uh, he's got a heck of a history that you uh, definitely should read about. Um, I'll and be sure really, to read about it on the Athletic. Yep. I'm sure and your really good. team of Toronto writers will be all over <laughs> it. And re- we do have a team of Toronto writers, and uh, and uh, really good guy Sheldon as well. And Marley's a very good team. They they did they win the Calder Cup? Yep. Uh, within the last couple of years, right? Because I think uh, Charlotte won it last year, but. Yep, and they, they won it two they've years been, ago. They've been and very much Justin in the mix Hall there. on that. Um, I'm looking at Myrtle's quote last night because I wanted to read this to you. It was uh, it was Mike Babcock after the game. and I'm not freaking quitting. Did he say no, that? No, that's what I wanted to say. So he has a quote last night that reminded me last night of Mike Yo. I'm not freaking quitting. He goes, we got to stick with it and keep grinding. Yep. was his quote last night. And that, Mike Yo was the, I'm not freaking quitting. That day that Mike Yo was let go – and we've talked about this, you know, often. It, it was so ominous and eerie. You know, you remember that game, uh, an afternoon game against the Bruins. I don't remember if it was on national TV. It might have been on national TV, but um, Minnesota just didn't compete that day. And we sat in the, mm-hmm. the media room afterwards, and you could just – you could sense it was coming. You could sense something was coming down the line. And based on some of the things I was reading last night on Twitter, you could kind of sense from the Toronto media some of that – yeah, some of that same emotion was uh, coming with with Mr. Babcock. Yeah, I'm already getting just ridiculous uh, tweets like uh, "See you, Bruce," and and is Bruce now the front runner oh. to become the Wild? Uh, let me. Let Can me you do- imagine Bruce's poor mum if he had yeah. to? Uh- Endure the media pressure in Toronto. <laughs> um, yeah, keep, yeah, a little trade Babcock here, Bruce there. Um, I want I want Bruce here. I yeah. like Bruce here. Um, and should have had Bruce over for this. Craig would have been fun. Not paying Mike Babcock six million bucks. Well, Toronto's um, paying him six million bucks. Me, you just got to throw him a couple bones. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, let's let's chat. Uh, so you, much to you, get to. You've been to this place. You were here when it was studs. Uh, yes, I I was here when you were going through the place down the road here, trying to figure out exactly what you wanted to do. 
And I like to take, I like to personally like to call it the house that Dan built because it is basically my house uh, (laughs) in terms of what I would have built if I wanted to. You desperately wanted to go with the two level and I convinced you as a man of advancing age, your status as a, a very eligible bachelor here in the east side of the metro that, you know what, you want the party shack, you want the one level of uh, space to entertain all of your friends, and uh, they've done a fantastic job with the place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it, I mean, it really is funny. I mean, you are. The, I was looking at houses in Woodbury, and you and you told you were telling me as we were looking at those houses, you were just like, you got to just see this new built community that they're building, and um, and there you go. Here you are. Yep. There we go. Have you uh, so you just got like you just got grass and stuff this fall, right? This mm-hmm. this summer you got this your summer. driveway. Like your house now finally has been completely one hundred percent done for what couple months now? Uh, yeah, uh, I would say, um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, you enjoy it, right? Yeah, it is. It's cool. It's yeah. a little different than your old lifestyle. I I never in been downtown. inside at your old place, but I dropped you off there a couple times after our eventful trip back from Iowa last year, for example. Yeah. That was it's a little different living out here in the suburbs. No, it? and you gotta drive everywhere. It's a little weird just you with us being on the road as much as and by the way, I haven't introduced Dan properly. He's the longtime wild dot com uh reporter. And uh so he travels with the wild actually on their plane where I, I catch up to the team, as I, uh, so to speak. Um, but we each it, have it, our benefits. Yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you, I mean, it, it really is the way that we've been on the road constantly this year. It's like I feel like every time I come back to this place, it's just like, all right, this is where I live now. I know, right? Yeah. It's, it's one, and I, uh, you know, my wife, Jen, and I, uh, we just built a house ourselves. We've been in it now for, gosh, a little over a year. Was it Labor Day of twenty? 18 that we moved in um so you know it's kind of the same feeling like you know we were uh, just finishing up our house just as you were kind of starting your house and in, in the process and it's still you almost kind of have to pinch yourself because that's our first home ownership situation we had rented forever and um to kind of have this place when you travel as much as we do and especially when you travel as much as we have this year it's it's really kind of fun to come home to you know it's corny but it's kind of fun to come home to a place that's your own yeah no doubt just got a text from curtis foster a kingston head coach how about that really yeah um anyway uh fozzy yeah fozzy the big reason why we had you on is uh we want to talk about your book that you just wrote 100 things wild fans should know and do before you die i'm writing the sequel 100 things wild fans really need i to would know. read your book I, i'm <laughs> really, not afraid to admit, really need to know before they die um, um i would i'm not afraid to admit that i would i would be intrigued <laughs> and i would offer someday to potentially ghostwrite your book just so i can hear the stories ahead of time <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I like, I'm really proud of the book. I'm, I like the book. I spent a lot of time on it. It's been almost two years, right? Yeah. Um, you know, between, you know, my day job nine to five and doing this, it was a lot of work. Um, there are certain things that I know I probably didn't touch on that you, you would touch on if you were, uh, writing the book, but, um, it's, it's fun. It's coming out at a really good time. You know, we're sitting here on what the 20th of November as we speak here and, Thanksgiving and the holidays are on the corner. It's you know something that's mm-hmm. less than twenty bucks. So you know if you're out there and you're looking for a hockey fan in your life, the Wild fan in your life, and you don't kind of know what they want or what what they like this time of year, you know, 
put this in the stocking. It's sixteen ninety five, and I'm not a hard guy to find. So if you want it signed, I'm at every Wild game. If you want it signed, I'm happy to get you a signed copy as well. You um, you can get it on Amazon. Get it on Amazon, uh, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, it's in all Minnesota Barnes and Noble locations. So if you're the Hockey kind of, Lodge, it's in the Hockey Lodge. We almost sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Suter was uh, that was gracious funny. enough the last night when we were in Buffalo to. Uh, give me a little shout out, but uh, it was hilarious. So Dan, after the game, asked him, "I want to know who told, who put him up to it." Yeah. Well, but normally that all, would normally all, that would be like an yeah. Aaron Sickman thing, like. Yeah. That, but Sicky wasn't with us in that yeah. trip. Honestly, I don't think that anybody put it up to him. I think he just did it. I think uh, there's no doubt about it. My fellow Wisconsin hero, Ryan yeah. Suter. Um, and you do, you two do have a very funny relationship. Uh, both Wisconsin residents, uh, both. Um, Opposite ends of the political spectrum. Yeah. Let me just say that. Let's put it this way. When the room opened <laughs> last night, Ryan, at the exact same time, was putting his uh, bag onto the uh, onto the cart, and <laughs> Megan, Megan comes out and is like, room open. And as Ryan's going back, and he goes, fake news coming in. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Ryan was in, like, the best yep. mood yesterday. The guy, first of all, he starts off his thing by loudly, sarcastically in front of Stalock saying, well, we knew we had to limit shots today because Stalock was in net. <laughs> then he takes the most subtle that I don't think anybody but me picked up on, the most subtle shot at Parisi that he finally settled in on one stick and scored a couple goals because Parisi has been so maniacal and finicky with his yep. sticks this year that he just uh, has been using constant ones. And yesterday he went back to his old model, his old curve, scored two, and then coincidentally breaks his last stick and finishes with a bower. Um, That's but, why he didn't get the hat trick last but, time. Yeah, exactly. And you saw the one that he did that he sort of shanked. He went right to the curve and tried to fix it. Well, but last the, night, I'll, I'll put this little nugget out there. I saw him on the plane flying back last night, and I just kind of gave him some crap. I said, you know, where was the hat trick? He goes, yeah, Zucker was supposed to change on the empty netter. <laughs> <laughs> and he got a good laugh. He was kidding, but yeah. I got a good laugh out of that one. Yeah, it was funny. Um, we were the whole time. We were joke. I was joking on the uh, when he was on the bench that he was like, get off the ice, you know, because you know he wanted that hat trick. The um, Which would have been, I think, his uh, first since 2016, I believe it would have been his first hat trick. Well, it would be a very historical week for him then because – uh, that shorthanded goalie scored there, and it was first in like five years. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because when you think back to when the Wild signed him back in 2012, that was kind of his mo. He was one of the best shorthanded players mm-hmm. in the game when it came you mm-hmm. know to his time with the Devils. So it was uh, you know good to see him get back in the flow there. And then he gets his 60th career, uh, 60th power play goal with the Wild, tying Koivu's uh, team record, and then he ties Bouchard with 347 Pierre points Mark, with the Wild. My favorite. My favorite wild player when I was growing up. Really? I, I was a huge Pierre-Marc Bouchard fan. Well, he's a, he was not a hard person to like. I mean, he was, one, a great guy, but two, just a fun player to watch. He was in Montreal. I don't know if you got a chance to talk to him yeah. last year when we were Actually, you know what? I didn't. I skipped that practice because I was writing that Parisi Suter yep. halfway mark story. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah, you were right. That was the halfway mark of their contracts. But he was at Morning Skate when we were in Montreal, and Dusty Peterson, our, our one of our camera guys, and I got a chance to chat with uh, PMB and I'd never. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think I covered him. Uh, maybe I covered him one year early on, but uh, just a chance to talk to him. You know, kind of really, kind of a, a surreal moment. Cause like I said, he was he was one of my favorite players growing up. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, yeah. So that was third overall, uh, third with the Wild that that uh, Parisi had it. Um, so back to Suter though. The the other big joke they had in his post game presser was he, Dan asked how big was it that Parisi scored 
with four seconds left in the second period, and Suter just straight faced, just goes out of nowhere. He goes, "That was big, but it was nothing compared to as big as your book signing." I can't believe you sold that many books. I, I mean, think just, I have, like I said, we're trying to figure out who tipped him off, and, and normally I'd say Aaron Sickman. He wasn't on the trip. I think I have an idea of who it was, and I think it's the, his defensive partner because he's mentioned it a couple times to me the last few days now that I think about it. And I had mentioned to him that we had a pretty good day of sales Saturday uh, before the game. We had a book signing before the Hurricanes game. And I, I'm now I'm going to have to ask Spurge because I think that might have been him that tipped him off. Either way, he delivered it perfectly. I mean, oh, it, he, was, he I mean and it was delivered perfectly. We have video of it. Like, yeah. he's straight-faced, like everything. It, it was delivered perfectly. Actually, let's play that right now. Just how, how you know, huge was that goal late in the first? Just seemed to really demoralize them. Yeah, it was big. Not as big as uh, your book signing. Um, I was pretty impressed to, to hear that I you agree. sold so many copies of that. Uh, I agree. The guys, the guys were asking if uh, if people could get one. Yeah, some of the so the guys in here, but um, yeah, it was it was big for for Zach to to get a couple of goals and for us to to come in with the lead after the first period. The one thing about what he said that was I thought was funny is as I as you hear me laughing probably in the background of that audio. Is, you have the picture of you know, the one picture where no one's in line. <laughs> yeah, I did. I tweeted out a picture that said, "Oh, they get to the arena early because <laughs> because Dan's uh, because Dan's signing." Uh, I swear, right after you left, because you got there, we figured out it was about forty-eight minutes or yeah. so before puck drop. Yeah, and right after you left, we had a pretty big rush. One woman came up and bought like five copies, and I was signing her copies for like two or three minutes. But right, of course, as it is, you and Dane walk in. There's no one in line. I'm like, oh god. This this is going to be really embarrassing. Oh, Friends are walking picture. in. There's no one here. And right after you guys left, of course, there's like a line, you know, four or five deep, which doesn't sound that big. But, you know, we ended up selling a, what, 46 out of 48. It was the best day of book sales uh, the Hockey Lodge has ever had, they told me. And they never sold out of a book ever. We came within two copies of doing that. So, uh, overall, pretty good day. And so, Ryan Suter uh, announced it. Got the big congrats from the alternate captain. And it was funny because he's doing this and everybody's on deadline. You got these cameras around. I'm looking around as I'm laughing. And you got these. I'm looking at some of the Sabres writers that are on deadline and some of the cameramen. And none of them found it funny because they're, <laughs> you know, they're under pressure. And we're just, and Ryan's just joking around. And Normally, not a guy you, we joke around with too much after the game. But yeah. he's one of those guys that after a win... Uh, he's great to go to. Like we, all, it seems like we always get stuck, kind of going to him when the Wild loses, right? And he's, you know, he's pretty honest and analytical, so he's good to go to after a loss. But when we go to him after a win, it's great because there's usually sarcastic comments in there and his cheap shots, and uh, it's a good time. Yeah, he. Um it it was pretty funny, and I don't know if you caught also when we walked into the room. Spurgeon was walking to the shower, and he you walked by, and he goes, "Wow, look at that jacket." <laughs> I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, I had quite the. Jacket I just find it hilarious. Night. These guys just finished like sixty minutes of hard hockey, and you walk in the locker room, and it's just like again, just normal, like well, just taking shots. Who was it last funny. night in the press box? That was was that Blair Maxey? I didn't see. Uh, someone looked at my jacket on the back of the chair and said, wow, look at the, this guy must it be was, making a lot of money. It was Blair McAsee there, former director of pro, <laughs> pro scouting. I had, I, I, just for the viewers out there, I had, I don't know, what'd you call it? Kind of a pink. A tablecloth. It's like a tablecloth. <laughs> I call it the Bergevin. That's what I nicknamed it <laughs> because it's something, you know, Montreal Canadiens GM Mark Bergevin would wear as these, he wears Absolutely. these pink jackets and it wasn't quite pink, but I had a pink tie on as folks saw. On the Buffalo, yeah, it was on the MSG Network. 
I don't know so what random. we were looking at. It showed me like looking at your computer. I think it was when we were trying to figure out when Dubbo got hurt. I'm just glad that it wasn't 20 seconds earlier when I was massaging your neck because that would have been. <laughs> I didn't even know you were massaging my neck. <laughs> that would have been really awkward. Yeah. Well, it was or like when Dudley was walking by me every second and doing his normal tap that he used to do when he was the Florida GM. <laughs> D- I, I mean, honestly, for 20 years, Dudley has been doing this thing where he'll get me on one side of me and I'll turn that way and he'll be on the other. Aaron end. Sickman does it to me all the time yeah. now, and I still fall for it every single time. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit about our. Uh, well, first of all, let's. About back to your book, hundred things wild fans should know and do before they die. Give me like three or four stories in there that, without giving your book away, that fans are definitely gonna like. This is why they got to get this book. Well, one of the the fun parts of this book for me was talking to, um, you know, we're we're around these guys from the two thousand two two thousand three team all the time. You know, West Walls, Darby Hendrickson. Um, you know, Andrew Brunette, when he was here, was around a lot when I was writing the book. Andrew Brunette wrote, wrote the foreword for the book, which is absolutely my favorite part uh, of the story. And, and the foreword is, isn't very long. Bruno's foreword isn't long. Uh, and he didn't write it. I, I kind of wrote it, but it's his story. So it's his words. Uh, and that's, that's genuine. Like the, the story that, that Bruno told in, in the forward is his. And it was really cool about the first time he ever flew into the Twin Cities when he was a member of the Atlanta Thrashers. And he, he remembered flying into town, you know, and anyone that's flown into MSP knows exactly what he's talking about. And that's why it's great because he was so detailed and flying over kind of south Minneapolis in the Richfield area as they're coming in the descent. And he looked out the window and there's outdoor rinks everywhere with lights on. Yep. And he just, he immediately thought of, man, this is a lot like, you know, back in my hometown. And so they flew in next day. They had practice at Excel Energy Center. And afterwards he's going out to coffee, going out to dinner. And he just said, people were talking about hockey. They were talking about the Gophers. They were talking about the wild. And he just fell in love with the Twin Cities at that point in time because, it, it, again, it reminded him of being home back in Sudbury, back in Canada. And he knew he wanted to, you know, one day play here. And as it turned out, uh, the next summer, one of the other stories in there is uh, the Wild kind of settled for Andrew Brunette that summer. They were hard in on Alexander Mogilny. Yeah. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it turns out they, they wanted to go get Mogilny. He ended up going, I believe, to Toronto. And Brunette was kind of their fallback plan. And as it turned out, it was a pretty good fallback plan. He goes on, he scores the game-winning goal in the quarterfinals that year. Is one of the most beloved members of the, the franchise in its history so far. And just a really good story. And he was a lot of fun to work with on that forward. But so many good memories from that, that playoff run, which... Unfortunately for the Wilds, kind of the one thing that, you know, its fans have had to hang the hat on over the 20-year course of this team. And um, Matt Johnson stepping in front of a Rob Blake slap shot and blocking it with his head. I mean, mm-hmm. just just crazy stuff like that. And and really, just looking uh, through it, this isn't just Wild. I mean, there's North Star stories yep. in here, too. Well, and-, and so this is when I was pitched the book almost three years ago, they they said, you know, Going back, I, we can go back. They they offered you a chance to write this book, and you didn't want to do it. <laughs> so you could have written this book. You didn't want to do it, and you know, graciously, you you suggested my name. Yeah, and I still remember the call. I felt I felt awful. I'm like, I didn't even want to call the guy back, and I <laughs> I called him back, and I you know. 
I talked to him for one minute, and well, I just I basically told him. I and no I don't interest. think knowing you like I know you, I don't think you would have enjoyed writing this book yeah. just because it was pretty labor intensive. Yeah. And, and I've watched <laughs> you, I've watched you work, and and in all seriousness, I respect the hell out of it because you know, you do what you do. Uh, at the time, it was for the Star Tribune. Now it's for the Athletic. You're you know in a lot of media, whether it's an NHL Network or KFAN or doing whatever it is you do. Like it would have been hard for you to spend the time needed on that book. I think yeah. to finish it. In a in a realistic I just, amount of time, I, I just didn't. It, it it was daunting the thought of doing it. I just and it was a hard and, project. Yeah. It was a hard project. But. And and some of this, I mean, there's really cool uh, cool things in here. Uh, you know, from from talking about like Jack Sperling, who people really don't know yep. how Im- influential he was for this organization to even exist. And by, by the way, what he still does for this league to make sure. Well, and he was ex- he was so influential in. In what XL Energy Center became, right? And we're thinking twenty years now. XL Energy Center is twenty years old, and I think we're spoiled because we see all the arenas in the league. Mm-hmm. It's still one of the best, I think, places to watch a hockey game in the league at twenty years old. But it's actually it's an indoor version of Coors Field, which yep. I didn't know before I I wrote the book, and I was able to talk Jack about it and and wow, Bob Nagley, and yeah. they they actually patterned XL Energy Center off of Coors Field. They went to Denver, took a tour. Mm-hmm. And Bob Nagley essentially said, I want this in a hockey arena. And so wow. the, the architects built it. And that's and, XL Energy Center. And there's everything in here from the flip of the coin to uh, to the boogeyman, um, to Riser, to uh, Bruno's overtime goal. Um, My favorite chapter in there is, I don't remember what it's called. It's something about uh, elephant dung. Yeah, I just saw that. But it was uh, when the NHL powers that be came to St. Paul to tour the St. Paul Civic Center when they were trying to get an expansion team. And Gary Bettman and all the, the powers. I don't want to spoil the book too much, but mm-hmm. uh, Gary Bettman and all the, the, the big timers come from the NHL offices into St. Paul. And they're looking at the St. Paul Civic Center and they're kind of, you know, I don't know if this is NHL quality arena. And, you know, one of the things that they were walking around, they had this constant smell of elephant crap well it turns out the night before they came the circus was in town for like two <laughs> weeks and so the you know they were really uneasy about coming to this place because it smelled so bad but it was because they had the elephant poop uh you know was still the smell of it was permeating inside the arena do you get into here uh, and this is a book you could probably do 50 versions of mm-hmm. it uh, did you get into here how, how really the wild fans don't realize how close they really came to Sidney crosby yeah, yeah, it's it's remarkable. Yeah. I remember that was 2005 coming out of that lockout, and they were supposed to mathematically they were supposed to pick like eighth or ninth, yeah. weren't they? And I don't know if I got into it in the book, but I'll have to be in in your model there. But it was what like one computer simulation. <laughs> yeah, like they simulation went well, and or, they they go to TV to a TV break, and the Wild are one of four teams. And I remember to, yeah. watching this as a fan. So yeah. in 2005, I would have been 21 years yeah. old. And I remember thinking that exact same thing was, you know, the Wild is supposed to be off the clock three or four picks ago, and they're still here. So you're hoping, you know, as a fan, you know, maybe you can, even back then, Sidney Crosby was, you know, he was the can't miss guy. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew he was going to be great, exactly how he has been. Uh, number uh, chapter seventy five should be interesting. Uh, Fenton's big chance that lasts last three pages. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Uh, honestly, it's it's complicated. So. I'm going to go into this when I was making final changes to the book. So it just came out for sale. Again, we're talking 
Wednesday, November 20th. It came out last Tuesday, so eight days ago. I was making final changes to it around, gosh, NHL draft time. So that would have been in June as I was reviewing final pages. And somehow we got it in there late. I mean, you know, the Paul Fenton firing was, what, late July? Is that right? Yep. So, I mean, we, they, they, like, I emailed them one day. I'm like, this is going to be really awkward if we have this chapter about Paul Fenton's big chance and we, you know, he ends up being fired and this thing comes out. And uh, he assured me they got it in. I actually haven't read that chapter based on what they wrote, but uh, that'll be something for me to do here this evening, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was an interesting time for all of us. It was. Well, and that was, it's unfortunate that the book came out. Uh, before that, you know, I had to be done with it before that because, as you know, and as you've written, I mean, there's there's a whole book you could probably write just on that one chapter. Yeah, no doubt. Um, plus, you're you reading Twitter. Something's going on. No, right no, now. I'm trying to find. Uh, I'm trying to find a promo that I have to read. Uh, but on the Fenton thing, um, I mean, the one <laughs> when I say it was interesting, I mean, there were there were some uncomfortable moments for you that had to do with me, right? I mean, the the one that I'm thinking of, whether you want to talk about it, uh, sure. it's up to you. But uh, but I kind of wrote about it in my big story on Fenton after he was let go was how a lot of times he would try to, um, based off breaking stories that I would have, he'd essentially threaten people's jobs, and you were one of them. He was convinced that somebody on that plane, when Charlie Coyle was traded in New York, gave me the scoop. And uh, the way I understand it is throughout that plane, he was basically interrogating people, and you were one of the people. Well, I can honestly say that during the one year that he was around, um, I I never I can I can, I can say I've never leaked you a story. I've learned more stuff from you than uh, I learned, you know, from the people that I received my information from. And uh, one of them, for example, was the Nino Niederreiter trade. The day that Nino was traded, uh, you would text me and, and, you know, you'll text and say, hey, do I need to be ready for something? I said, I haven't heard anything. And then you told me, I'm hearing Nino's been traded. And I'm like, I haven't heard any of that. And literally like 15 minutes later, the email came across, hey, we're announcing this in an hour. And, you know, so, you know, when, it's no joke. Like I learn a lot of stuff uh, firsthand really from you. And, and my job as the team reporter isn't always to break the news. My job is to, uh, you know, frankly, try and present, you know, the wild's best angle on this. And, you know, I'm not breaking news. You're, that's your job. You, you mm -hmm. break news, and I learn a lot of that from you. But so getting into the, you know, the Paul Fenton stuff, that the genesis of that was the day Charlie Coyle was traded. And I think it's common knowledge you've put out there how you learned of this anyway. Yeah, I don't think I have, but it was – but I've let Paul Fenton – yeah. know how so I've learned of it. You had, uh, you had uh, your you know, way of... I, without revealing my source, I to save jobs, yep. I showed him directly how I found out. Well, and so you had your way of getting that information. Mm -hmm. And around the same time, we were uh, flying to New York for a road trip. So it would have been... I probably got to Signature Airport about 1.15 for a 2 o'clock flight. And I'm sitting on the plane. I sit next to Kevin Gorg on the plane and Paul comes back and he kind of waves at me to come to the back of the plane. So it's four or five rows back to the back of the plane. And I'm, you know, this is kind of strange. So I go back there and he says, Hey, you know, have you, you know, have you been reading Twitter? And I said, yeah, I, I literally just read your tweet that you'd been hearing that Charlie Coyle was traded. 
And he just flat out asked me, he said, it was, you know, did you tell him that? I said, Paul, I, I just learned of it literally 30 seconds ago from Twitter on Russo's Twitter feed. And he didn't really seem satisfied by it, but he, he let it go. And so he let me go and sit down back at my seat. And we fly to New York and we get on the bus and we go into Manhattan and we get to the hotel. And he pulls me aside again. And he said, you know, I'm going to ask you one more time. Did you leak this to Russo? And I said, you know, no, I didn't. I did not know at all. I didn't know anything until I read Russo's Twitter. And I don't know, do you allow swearing on your podcast? Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, and he looks at me and he said, if I find out this was you, I'm going to fire your fucking ass. And, you know, I was just, I was taken aback by it because I understand where he's coming from and he's trying to protect the player. And at that point, you know, Charlie Coyle hadn't even, I don't know if the Wild even told him or not. They were trying to protect him a little bit. I get that. There were game implications with the Bruins were playing. I think they were in Vegas or something that night. Um, yeah, that's exactly. But the point I mean. of the matter is, you know, I'm I'm the web writer for the team. Like it's my job to almost protect the team, and um, that was just kind of you know that was his mo. Other than that, you know, I Paul and I got along. Yeah, I mean, well, you two actually. did get along. That was- um, I, I think I was one of the few guys that really I feel got along with him really well. He was generally pretty nice to me, mm-hmm. and it, that was just kind of a strange situation. I don't know if it was because he was under pressure, but, you know, that was uh, that was what happened. Yeah, it just always seemed bizarre to me that he was always so concerned of trying to find the leak rather than worrying if the story was right. And, I mean, there's just no way. I mean, there is no way in today's day and age you can no. trade a guy at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and have it sit till 10 p.m. Well, like, let me promise you, if I didn't break it, Bob McKenzie would have yep. a minute later. Well, like, and that's, that's just it's, the way it works. It's the thing I appreciate about Chuck and I appreciate about Bill and I think you do too is when you're in that job you have to play the game mm-hmm. like you know there, there's a game involved you have to pick your battles and for a guy like you that's been around as long as you have you've been in this market now what almost 15 years and been in the league more than 20 yeah, 25, like approaching yeah. 25 I mean you have sources that you know you're not dealing with the same people I'm dealing with you're calling agents you're calling uh, scouts. I mean, wherever you get your information from, like you have different ways to get this kind of information. And if you want it, you can go get it. And I just, I don't think, you know, he ever got that part of the job. And I think with the day he was dismissed, uh, I don't think I'm out of bounds by saying, I think Craig Leopold kind of understood that he kind of hinted at that, that, you know, Paul's strength was his, his scouting mm-hmm. and, he, and you can't argue with his resume and the things that he did in Nashville. And you look at some of the guys the Wild even drafted in his drafts. I mean, they look pretty good, but there are just other aspects of that job that I don't think he ever grasped, and that was one of them. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like we could all uh, critique now, but we're going to know in two or three years, and some of these guys actually look like, I mean, you know, Matt Robson, what if he becomes the number one goalie of this On team this Kovanov the kid, and, I mean, he, yeah. looks, he looks absolutely legit, and it's, you know, still a long ways to go, but... You're right. I mean, Robson down in Iowa certainly looks like a guy right now that that could be a big piece for this team in the future. And look at Fiala. I mean, all of a sudden we are seeing – like, I thought Fiala was great last night in Buffalo. He's put together two weeks now yeah. of, of consistently – Maybe even longer. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think about it, he scored that one goal in St. Louis, against St. Louis at home that was definitely a fluky goal, but it sort of like it turned took everything. this pressure – 
off him. And yeah. isn't it funny? It's the hockey cliche. He just needs a goal to go off his butt. He just, even Bruce yep. last night, he, that empty net goal, that assist for stall on the empty net goal, this is the type of thing that can break him out. And it sounds like roll your eyes stuff, but it's true. It happens all the time. What do you think about Eric Stahl? How long did he sit with that zero in the goal column yeah. to start he, this year? And he was, I mean, with all due games. respect to yeah. Eric, he, he was not very good early in the year. He goes eight games without a goal. He scores, and we talked to him about it after the game. And he said, you know, sometimes you just need these to get going. And then all of a sudden, he's scoring two goals the next game. Then it's a goal after that, and it gets these guys going. And you're right. I mean, Kevin Fiala, since he just scored that that fluky goal against the Blues, I think he's been Minnesota's best player consistently every night. Yeah, and the reality is, is that you know. You know, Paul Fenton had his flaws, but he, he still knew hockey. He saw – he knows Kevin Fiala a hell of a lot more than all of us, so obviously he saw something there, and maybe we're starting to see it. We well, have he looked to good. A couple yeah. of years ago, he looked good yeah. in Nashville. He looked like a kid yeah. at 20 years old that was trending to 30 goals and 60 points as a 20-year-old. And that was actually after his broken femur, which yep. if I remember correctly, which is, you know, says a lot – and so maybe it turns out to something. You know, I, I know a lot of people because they see a lot of the Connor McDavid's and the Austin Matthews and the Lineys and and the and and you know players throughout the league, Marners that that succeed as teenagers or twenty year olds. Just think that if you're twenty three, you're old and you're never going to amount to that. Don't see it. But but the reality is most players need time to develop. I saw with Ole Okunen in Florida. He he. He was a nothing player about to go back to Europe. He was traded from, from the Kings to the Islanders down to Florida. And then all of a sudden he goes there. He struggles. He's awful. Keenan's riding him. He wants to quit the league. He sticks with it and becomes a perennial 30-goal scorer. Well, and this is you know maybe not that kind of example, but even look at a kid like Nino Niederreiter. When, when he got his start with the Islanders as, what, an 18- or a 19-year-old being a top-five draft pick, and gosh, what was he his first year in New York? He's like a minus thirty, and he had like one goal, and and he gets traded to Minnesota, and you know he, he's not Connor McDavid, but he's a twenty-five goal guy, and mm-hmm. certainly a guy that you think has thirty goal potential in him. And it's you know it's very rare. How many teenagers, when you think over the twenty years now of the Wild, how many teenagers have made a big impact on a team like Gabrick? Yep. I mean, Gabrick was maybe the one guy that did it as yeah. a teenager i mean there were other players that were okay but when you look at a league-wide scale in terms of making a big impact they've had one yep. in 20 years yeah the one teenager with the wild that was awesome that you, you, you can't value it like a gabrick was brodine uh when he was 19 Absolutely. and played on the on 2012 13 as a rookie as the right offside guy next to Suter. Suter's was, first year with know, the Wild. He arguably should have been a Calder Trophy uh, candidate. Well, and you remember that first year, Suter, when he signed with that, he was not good. I mean, that was the lockout shortened year. Yeah. Uh, he had, I think he had a kid on the way, yep. and he was clearly distracted the first 15, 20 yep. games of that year, and Jonas Brodeen was unbelievable, yep. uh, and Suter was really, really good. Once the, once yep. his, his kid, I can't remember if it was, was it Brooks? Yeah, is he, it had are to be. we that Bruce old now oldest, that yeah. Brooks was? Yeah. Brooks is now you know running around the locker room, but Brooks shows up and it, you know something switched with Suter and he was great the last half of that year. But you're right, Jonas Brodeen we, was yeah. really good that year. Yeah, I remember we interviewed Suter after a dozen games and he admitted as such, and then it's just like the boom clicked and yep. he became a. a I can't believe I get. Player. I just got to tell a story. I can't believe. Oh gosh, Brooks is that old now? He's. Well, like eight or you know seven or eight years old, and I remember when he wasn't born yet. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, 
By the way, we're talking with Dan Myers of Wild.com. You could fire him at Dan, follow him at Dan Myers on Twitter. Uh, he worked very hard to get that Twitter account, honestly. Zach Halverson, thank you. Yeah. I owe it to Zach Halverson. There was a guy with Dan Myers. And, in Denver. And, yeah, and somehow they got him to disengage his account and give it to Dan. Zach Halverson, Dan he, he did it literally, Mike, yeah. in 30 minutes. I tried for three years. It was this guy in Denver who had this Twitter. He hadn't tweeted since 2009. So I don't know if he was lurking or if he let it die. And Zach Halverson, he, he texted me. He's like, hey, do you want your Twitter handle? Sure, why not? So he spent 15 or 20 minutes on it. He goes, all right, in five minutes, you're going to go sign up for it. And that was it. And that was done. And you didn't have to give him a watch or anything. Well, no. Yeah. You're kind of like dinner. Nick there's Sealer. A, there's a steak dinner. It's yeah. kind of like Nick Actually, Sealer. Actually, he's kind of like Nick Sealer. It's like Nick Sealer and uh, Matt Zuccarello. I'm reading this Nick Sealer story that I wrote the other day. Uh, I wrote last year on on how that number 36 was so meaningful to Nick Sealer. <laughs> and I'm reading this story just coincidentally the other day. I'm like, God, man, I cannot believe he had to give that thing up. But well, I, you think about the number 30, like, it's not like it's number 10 or number, yeah. you know, 21 or something. It's number freaking 36. Yeah, like, so what there, are the that's chances? him. Last year, I, I did a story of this. I think there were nine 36s in the league last season. Sealer was one. Zuccarello was one. John Gibson's the only really other prominent 36. Otherwise, it's just a number they give yeah. to slappies when they come up from the AHL the for Henry's a game or two. The, the Alex Henrys, the Zach Ronaldos, I mean, whoever. But, you know, the, they go out and they're one. Uh, no, you know, no offense to Ryan Hartman, but their one big free agent splash is a guy who wears number thirty six. Yeah. of all guys. Yeah, what are the chances? Do you know who the first ever captain in the rotation captain of the Minnesota Wild was when I first started covering the team in 05? Alex Henry. Alex Henry. I wouldn't have known unless Isn't you that just crazy? dropped his name. So, so I get here. I'm told about this rotating captaincy thing that that Jock had. And the first one is Alex Henry coming out of training camp. So I'm like, oh, this guy must be great. No. Um, not as much? No, not as much. Is he a former Ottawa senator? Yeah, and then he like he played forward here. He played defense here. Are we going to tell the people about your first story covering the Wild? Yeah, the we'll Star have Tribune? to do that. Let me uh, let me do this. So, again, we're talking with Dan Myers, Wild.com. This is straight from the source. To subscribe to The Athletic, please go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source if you're listening on Apple or Spotify or anything. I'm telling you, you'll love our site you can co- I mean, just here in Minnesota, we have several beat writers covering all the teams here. We're now covering Gophers football. Um, the uh, right. we got, I mean, all nation, every, any team here. Uh, our hockey coverage is. Hey, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Yeah. I love the job Chris Perkins does yeah, and, way and down Chris in Miami. Is awesome, Chris. Yep. Uh, so Chris, when I was down in, in Florida, he worked for the Palm Beach Post. Then he went to the Miami Herald, or no? Then he went to the uh, uh, Star Tribune. Then the Miami Herald. He's like done the. He was at the, the Star hat, Tribune. Yeah, not Star Tribune. Sorry, Miami Sun Herald, Sentinel. Sun Sentinel, yeah. or at my first place. And uh, and so he's done the whole. We used to call it the hat trick in Florida. There were Ethan Skolnick. There were like three or four guys that worked at all three newspapers. Sorry, I didn't mean to get you up your tangent. Yep. I was just trying to contribute. Yep. I, I I'm a proud subscriber of the Athletic. I love the. Uh, but our hockey world coverage, of coverage you get the hockey yeah, coverage on parallel is second to none. But we also have podcasts now everywhere. I mean, there's so many different podcasts. 
And one I do want to bring to your attention is uh, one of the podcasts for one of the Wild's opponents this week. On Friday, the Wild uh, go to Boston, play a Saturday game, start their first of a three-game road trip. And the Perfection Pod is also uh, another one besides straight from the source on the app. Uh, Billy Jaffe, the great Billy Jaffe, alongside the Athletics, Joe McDonald and Fluto Shizawa, break down everything going on with the Boston Bruins, including reports from practices and morning skates, player interviews, breaking news, and reaction from three of the most connected insiders around the team. They are lucky enough to cover Charlie Coyle now. We're lucky enough to cover Ryan Donato now, who's one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. Um, so listen to the Perfection Pod. Joey McDonald? Pod. Uh, Joe McDonald. Joey McDonald's great. I met Joey oh, he's doing the, the uh, he was working for ESPN.com when the Wild played the Blackhawks yes. at the outdoor game, and he was like the, the beat writer for that week. And so I got to sit next to Joe McDonald, not only that, but during a playoff series, I think maybe the year before. Yes. His Boston accent is one of oh, my favorite things, but he loved it when I would do the, I, I, I think I'm pretty good at impersonating Herb Brooks, well, Kurt Russell's Herb Brooks from Miracle with the Minnesota accent, uh-huh. which I think he gets a kick out of. He gets a kick out of the Minnesota accent, and I get a kick out of his Boston accent. And but he, honestly, very good that, stuff. that playoff series, I'll, I'll never forget. So I'm sitting there working. I just met him. He's working for ESPN.com at the time, and there was some big Red Sox news going on. And so he's like, hey, hang on for a second. I just got to work on something else. And he picks up the phone, and next thing I know, I hear him talking to this guy. And I right away am picking up that this is a huge Boston Red Sox player. They just called out of the blue. David Ortiz. <laughs> just sitting right next to me. He's chit- just, hey, I, I just got to call somebody real quick. Calls David That's Ortiz. like something you would do. And I'm telling you, Fluto is just phenomenal. He, when he was at the Boston Globe, he, used to, he continued Kevin Paul DuPont's longtime Sunday column, which was a must read, like 80 inches on a broad, you know, on, on broad, sheet, broad pages there in the, in the newspaper. And Fluto, when he took over the beat, start, continued that. And it was just outstanding every week. Original coverage where a lot of us, when we used to do those insiders would, you know, we basically be in these notes pools and grab stuff from other writers as well. These, this guy did it all. Your, uh, by the way, your twins podcast has the best name podcast thing i've ever heard as, uh, what was the pocket the pocket will oh, do yeah. it live and is, i think yeah that bill o'reilly the the, the thing of him on inside edition is one of my no, favorite viral youtube things of all time and so when i saw that the <laughs> nickname the of the twins podcast game, maybe the first one on fsn we go to this restaurant we'll do it live that i laugh for like this restaurant that i think was that like weeks yeah then there's the football panthers telling telling greener and i that we're like i think hey i'm gonna get us hooked up i met this Antonori rap. We're going to get you hooked up, hooked up, hooked up. So we go there. It's the three of us. Okay. Panther and I order the same meal, coincidentally. And Mike Greenley orders this. Seriously, do you you and Panther order the same meal? No, it was just that night. Okay. All right. So, and Greener ordered this Noki. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I've never seen this. Anthony and I get this meal. It is the largest portion of chicken with vegetables (laughs) that you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it is crazy, okay? Greenlay gets the gnocchi with like eight pieces, okay? And it's the best gnocchi ever. But he, you can see him the whole meal. He's staring at our portions and his portions. Yeah, Greenlay is 6'3", 220. He's a big guy. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then we got this, the bottles of Antonori that we allegedly were getting hooked up on. And anyway, the bill comes to like 800 bucks for three of us. And then it was typical. <laughs> All right, throw in your credit card. And we split it by cards. three. And Greener's like, what 
the hell just happened here? I thought I was getting hooked up with Antonori, and now I got to go for a second dinner because the eight Noki didn't fill me up. It was the funniest thing ever. I've got a quick Mike Greenlay story yeah. in that same realm. So, and it's a little less than eight hundred dollars. But uh, we went to Smash Burger in Dallas, so it's kind of on the opposite end of the scale here. So it's me, Kevin Gorg, and Greenhorn. We go to Smash Burger for lunch. And, and Greenhorn's hangry at this point. Like, he wants a big burger. <laughs> so we get in line. Gorgie and I order whatever. He orders something. I don't remember the exact name, but it was something like the the double XL Max. Like, it's it's this thing that you envision in your head. It's going to be like three patties and giant bun. And he, he goes all in on this. So, you know, the food comes out. Gorgie and I's food comes out. And we're sitting there. And, and finally, they bring out Greenhorn's, you know, double XL max stack or whatever this thing's called. And he had ended up ordering a slider. So it's just this little tiny hamburger for Mike Greenlay. And he absolutely lost his mind. That is Sorry. That is funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were very entertained. <laughs> no, I was tweeting. Um, what are you tweeting? I was somebody who was just asking why, uh, why Kapanen's coming He out. did the yeah, yeah thing. So... Um, what's the place in Dallas, by the way, that you always go for steak with uh, Gorg? Uh, that place is called Dunstan's Steakhouse. It's on, ironically, it's on. I don't even know why I'm going to tell you this because I'm going to get made fun of. It's on Lovers Lane. <laughs> yeah, you and Gorg. Me and Gorg. There you um, go. And I even set it up. The reason why I had asked you before about you and Panther ordering the same thing. So, you know, it, there's a big thing. You know, Mike and Panther always hang out together. Gorgie and I always hang out together. Kevin and I have this incredible habit of order. We order the exact same thing, and it's not planned. So it'll be like, yeah, I'll have a Caesar salad with chicken and a Diet Coke. And then Kevin will go, I'll have the exact same thing. <laughs> and everywhere we go, like, it's gotten to a point now where it's like, all right, Kevin, I'm not going to ask you what you're having or what direction you're having. Let's just see if we can order the same thing. And nine times out of ten, we order the exact same thing things i don't know what that says about me or what it says about him well i hang around you guys and i know what it says about you guys um <laughs> hundred things wild fans should know and do before they die you can get it on amazon the hockey lodge anywhere you want to get your books barnes and nobles here in the twins in uh, minnesota and like i said if you want it signed if you want a personalized copy uh again i'm not a hard guy to find at dan myers uh, on Twitter, I'm at every single wild game. So if you want a signed copy, you want it personalized for the loved one in your life coming up with Christmas, shoot me a message and we'll figure it out. And I'm uh, MN Wild Scribe also on Twitter, readhimonwild.com. Very good at his job. It's not an easy job, especially this season. It's it trying at times. Yeah, it can be trying at times. Um, and uh, But you can also see him as well on wild.com, the rink report. Boo, Thank you, Dan. Rink report. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source, and thanks to Dan Myers for joining. To subscribe to The Athletic, please go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source. That's theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Mm-hmm.